How's it going, everyone? Welcome to Destination Draft Day. I'm Michael Rockman here with my co-host, Nick Durst. We got a great Friday coming for you. We got the weekend preview with our new sponsor. We have top of the positions for the Pac-12, and we have some sleeper wide receivers that are going to be coming at you this 2021 season. We're looking forward to it. We got a lot of stuff to get into. Nick, how's your Friday going? Friday's going well. It's been chaotic. Uh, looking forward to uh, Labor Day weekend, nice three-day weekend. Watch some football. Uh, I know you were locked into some some games last night. Any any players catch your eye from the, the, the weeknight games before we look to the weekend? Uh, yeah, I mean, there were a lot of uh, great games that had already happened right now, and I tried to catch as much as I could. I was also watching a little bit of NBA playoffs as well, so looking at a couple different screens, never really getting to focus too much on one. So no uh, no crazy standout players just yet, but I'm sure I missed some guys that are very talented. Yeah, you know, a lot of these smaller conferences, typically, you know, Boise State, for example, really have benefited recruiting-wise from being on ESPN during the week. They really shifted their host schedules to weekdays, but – now, this year, there's going to be more opportunities for teams to, to be on on the weekends. Um, but, you know, they always want to be in the spotlight. Nobody's got a better TV deal than Notre Dame, where the worst they could ever be is on ESPN. So that's pretty good when, some, when most of your games are on, NB, are on NBC. Uh, but I think it's going to be a, a good weekend. And, um, you know, we're going to... I think we should. I think we should take a look at some uh, some key games coming up for the weekend, and you know, just kind of try to see what players you're keeping an eye on. Yeah, and one thing I do want to point out, I guess there was one player that really caught my eye, and that's Frank Gore Jr. Ooh. So we already have Frank Gore still in the league, still trucking. Apparently, getting a lot of snaps in the New York Jets training camp, looking like the best back there for the team. Not maybe, maybe not better than Le'Veon, but just better you know, to fit their style play and everything. But now his son, true freshman at Southern Alabama, or Southern Alabama or Southern Miss, I, I missed which one it was. But it's going to be very interesting to to potentially see a replaced Frank Gore with Frank Gore Jr. <laughs> that's going to that be often. that's going to be crazy. And, of course, uh, we have to announce that Adrian Peterson was released from the Washington football team. interested to see where he ends up. I'll just say what I say every time a running back gets released. Be a great fit for the Patriots. Uh, Fournette <laughs> would have been a great fit, but he, of course, goes to Tampa Bay to join the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady and Gronkowski. Man, he's going to have a big season. Him and Gronk are going to have so many touchdowns in the red zone. Yeah, it's uh, – that Tampa Bay offense is very stacked in terms of weapons. You know, looking at the NFC South, it's crazy when you kind of consider the four teams, you almost see the Falcons as one of the worst supporting casts in terms of weapons. You look at the Panthers have DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Curtis Samuel, Ian Thomas, Christian McCaffrey. The Saints have Emmanuel Sanders, Michael Thomas, Jared Cook, Alvin Kamara. I mean, are the Falcons a team that brings out Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Hayden Hurst, Todd Gurley, really like the weakest cast? I mean, it's it's a toss-up, really. And it's I mean, really looking at the vision, you got three Hall of Fame quarterbacks. I really think Matt Ryan's going to get in the Hall of Fame, but Breeze, of course, and obviously Tom Brady. So that is some division right there. And the Falcons, uh, 
And the Panthers, who are both really not bad teams, are probably going to be in the third and fourth spots. So, you know, they, they might benefit, um, you know, because they'll be drafting better in the future. And Matt yep. Rule could build this team just the way he likes it. And, you know, is there anything that you notice with, like, his with Baylor and, and Temple that he really, you know, focused in on that we could maybe see he tries to change the approach with the Panthers, specifically with McCaffrey and Teddy Bridgewater? Well, I think one of the big things is just how quickly he's able to rebuild these teams. Looking at Baylor, I think their first season, they didn't win a game in the Big 12 under Matt Rule. And then the very next year, they're competing with Oklahoma for the conference. This guy is going to come in, quickly find guys that want to be a part of his unit, part of his program, and is going to completely invest in those guys specifically. He's not going to try to make it work with other people, but he's going to try to make it work for what he needs to know. Yeah, no doubt about it. And he's got the keys to the kingdom. He is the president and general manager as well. Crazy deal. We haven't seen a deal like that since John Gruden, the Las Vegas Raiders. So we'll keep an eye on that. But Michael, let's let's why don't we talk about you know some of the the games coming up this weekend that are really yeah we got some try. we got some big games coming this week and this is where we're going to introduce our sponsor and one of our good friends Brian. Welcome to the show. How's it going? Michael, Nick, thanks for having me, guys. It's a pleasure to be on Destination Draft Day. It's a pleasure to have you, as always. Uh, tell yeah. us a little bit about your company and what you can do for people on your site. Yes, absolutely. Well, if you're looking to play some bets on sports as football season begins and looking to find out what each sports book has to offer and want to claim the best welcome bonus possible, that's where Bonus Seeker comes in. That's B-O-N-U-S-S-E-E-K-E-R. Bonus Seeker has exclusive offers and pages dedicated to the features of every single sports book. It will tell you everything you need to know before you sign up and get you some exclusive offers while you sign up. Yeah, that's uh, it's a great place to go for you know, your odds. And, you know, of course, if you're a bonus seeker, we're better to go than bonus seekers. But, you know, for a look at the game of football from a coaching, scouting, administrative perspective, of course, go to LandryFootball.com today from high school, college to the NFL, from recruiting to the NFL draft to free agency, from pregame to postgame film analysis. It's all the inside scoop on players, teams, coaches, and screams. LandryFootball.com is your source for all things football. Thank you for joining. And please help us spread the word as you can catch us on the Chris Landry Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash Chris Landry Football. And you can listen to this podcast on your mobile device by signing up for Landry's Football Conference wherever you get your podcast. Brian, this is going to be a weekly segment. We're so excited to have you on here each Friday. And how this is going to work, everybody, is Brian is going to give us his three games he's most looking forward to. Of course, I'll give you those odds as well. And if Michael has any you know, guys on, on those teams that he's looking at. And of course, Michael will, because he knows all the parties, watches them all. And no doubt about it, we'll get we'll get some FCS games in here, even though there's not a season and D3. You know, we'll, we'll cover it all. Michael knows them all. But Brian, what is the first game this weekend that is catching your eye? All right. First things first, we'll start right there at the top with SMU and Texas State. Now, it's a pretty big spread, 22 and a half points. But in a season like this one where routines are a little bit disrupted, 
I think it helps to find teams with a little bit of continuity, and SMU has that. Shane Bouchelle is back. He's the best quarterback in the conference. They beat Texas State by 30 last season, and I'm fine giving away the three touchdowns this time as well. SMU, they score 40 points. They cover 22 and a half. Big win, Mustangs, Shane Bouchelle. Yeah, and looking at these players to watch, I got Shane Bouchelle as one of them. Looking at how this guy has come along in his career at Texas, a lot of people had hype for him. He kind of, you know, stumbled off. Uh, Ellinger obviously took the job. Now he's at SMU, Bouchelle is, and he is doing wonderful things. SMU has really established themselves as a great program. They have some great players coming back this year. Reggie Robertson is another guy that you want to check out if you're trying to watch this team. Both of these guys are a dynamic duo for this SMU offense, and I think they're going to be in for a big night against Texas State. Yes, this game is kind of a blowout, but I think it's important to watch some of the bigger programs early to see how these players have progressed from year to year. SMU has a lot of talent. Now, they may not be a Power 5 school, but they're still a very talented program that has a lot of guys that could potentially be seeking NFL opportunity. Another one of those guys is Richard McBride, who came from Auburn to SMU and had a great season, now in his sixth year, so he may not have the uh, appeal in the age factor, but Richard McBride, very talented linebacker and a leader of this SMU defense. Texas State, Jake Spavadol came from West Virginia. He, he is the offensive coordinator there and now head coach at Texas State. It's going to be interesting to see if they grow offensively. This is a very young team, so you may not see a lot in terms of draft prospects for this year, but this is a team that with games like this against SMU, if you're coming in and you're competing very well, you could see this team grow and have a nice year this year and then catapult that into a surprise season next year as well. Now we move on to Memphis versus Arkansas State. Brian, why don't you give us a little preview there? Yeah, well, if you watch the American Athletic Conference, you know Memphis is electric. They do have Brady White, who I'm sure you'll get into, but they don't have Kenneth Gainwell, which will possibly have an impact on the offense. Even so, I think Memphis wins the game, although tough to get a read on the spread at minus 17 and a half. If there is one bet to play on this game, under 74 points. You may sweat it out with a Memphis offense that can score in about two plays every single drive, but for the first week of the season, guys still need some time to gel. We'll go under 74 points in Memphis, Arkansas state. Yeah. And looking at some of these players, another key receiver in this draft class, mid round guy, DeMonte Coxie had a lot of talk of being a draft pick day two, day three in this year's class. And now he decided to wait and play this season, return to Memphis, and now he's going to most likely have another great year, prove himself as an outstanding receiver that he is, and Memphis will find him being a star week in and week out like he was last season. This game comes to you at 7 o'clock Eastern time on that Saturday as well. Brady White is going to be a huge piece of Memphis's puzzle, figuring out if he can succeed without Mike Norvell there, and if he can, I think this Memphis football team is going to be contending not only for the American Athletic Conference, but if they have big bulls, I think Memphis could be one of the teams that takes a spot in those games. For Arkansas State, this is another young team that doesn't have as many huge pieces when it comes to the NFL draft picture. However, Lane Hatcher has put together a solid career to this point. 
And if he were to have another big season, we could potentially hear his name as a day three guy who could potentially be a sleeper for many teams. And now we move on to BYU versus Navy. We got a little Monday night football and college football. Brian, why don't you tell us a little bit about this game, much closer in terms of spread than the others. Yeah, have not sure there's a much better way to end the holiday weekend on Monday with BYU and Navy. It should be a great game. Uh, it should be fun just because of the contrasting styles, if nothing else. Zach Wilson and BYU are going to run a wide-open spread offense. Navy famously runs the triple option with great effectiveness. Both of those teams should be able to score, although in very different ways. But what's so much fun, and like you said, Michael, is that it's expected to be such a close game. It could come down to the last possession. So in that kind of game, I tend to side with the team that can control the ball and control the clock with the ground game. That's the midshipman. So Navy, even as a slight underdog at some sites, Navy on Monday night. And looking at some of these prospects, we got Kyrus Tonga. Defensive tackle for BYU, had some great moments last season, had a huge sack for BYU against USC, very talented big guy up the middle, college football star and potential day three pick with a big season, maybe even day two. For the linebacker position, we got Isaiah Kafusi, and we've seen many of these guys in the NFL. The family bloodline seems to all be NFL talent, so this guy – it's just following the course of action. Probably going to be a Jet. I think both of his brothers are currently on the Jets roster as well. So just automatically sign him up. <laughs> get ready for him. Probably probably a little bit more to do. He's a little bit undersized at 220 pounds. But with some weight added on, he could be a great player. And he's already put together a great career at BYU. Looking to have another big season. For Navy, we got Billy Honaker. And it's really kind of questionable on whether these guys are going to be playing in the NFL or whether they're going to be doing their service. But Honaker, if he does go to the NFL, is a guy who plays tackle for Navy right now, but would probably have to move inside if he were to play on the offensive line in the NFL. At 280 pounds, he needs to definitely gain some weight. But at the same time, he's 6'3", so he's going to have to move inside no matter what. I think this guy is very well-rounded, very efficient blocker, and he is a dependable guy for Navy's program. One of the best things that Navy does is run the ball, and they're going to drain this clock as much as they can. Without Malcolm Perry there, it's going to be interesting to see who is getting the bulk of the carries, whether it's their QB or whether they depend on their running backs. But Navy is going to find a way to try to run the ball and drain this clock, and they're going to do it on the back of Billy Honaker on the offensive line. Yeah, Navy, of course, well-known for their run game, and the most prominent guy to come out of Navy in a while is Keenan Reynolds, who had an incredible season and was converted to a wide receiver, and he's had a pretty successful career. Uh, Brian, you know how how did you? Let's let's hear your your thought method behind going go making your picks and what should some of these people out there be thinking when when they're trying to make their expert picks each weekend? Yeah, well, I think one thing to keep in mind is that this season is not like most seasons, obviously. I think that the preparation and the lead up has been different for these college kids, just like we've seen uh, in the NFL. I think from a betting perspective, you should keep in mind that um, even though that odds makers are also guessing a little bit too, there is uh, right. that there. So even though, uh, you know, betters are certainly guessing a little bit on what to expect. So are odds makers. And there are definitely some mistakes in 
lines, point spreads, totals. There's huge uh, value there if you're just able to, you know, look deep into uh, the rosters, the schedules, and, you know, find the right teams. So, you know, especially when we continue having you on, I'm sure we'll, we'll do some, like, Texas games or um, SEC games. Is Are you basically looking at these games as every game's a neutral site? Because there's no way that like, a crowd is really going to have any impact, even if they're allowed, like, you know, 8,000 people in the stadium as opposed to a typical 120,000 stadium uh, filter capacity. I don't, I don't see if they would really have any impact there. Yeah, exactly. The effect of home field advantage has to be so much more minimal than it is uh, normally. And we're seeing it in other sports as well. And maybe it changes a little bit for college football if they are able to have some fans in the stands. But other than sleeping in your own bed at night and not having to travel, I'm not sure what the advantage is to playing in your home stadium. And from a betting perspective, I think a lot of people look directly at the game and say, okay, which team is at home? and uh, may give that team a little bit of an edge, but you don't really have that luxury this time around. So it does force you to change your strategy up a little bit. Is it really risky right now to do futures bets and specifically looking at the college football playoff, just knowing the unknown is the season? Short answer, yes. There you have it. I have no idea. I just have no idea where I would uh, where I would go with that. And if anybody was going to if you were going to spend your hard-earned money on something, I'm not 100% sure it would be a college football futures bet at this exact moment. How about Jets? Last place bet? Is that an option out there? New York Jets? You know, there is an option for last place in the AFC East, so uh, you might you might be able to get some good odds there. <laughs> them, and, them and Miami will have quite a battle for last place in the AFC East, most likely. There you go. Of course, next week we'll have you on, and it'll be – Right before, you know, I mean, the season will be on your way already with Thursday Night Football. So maybe next week you give us some odds on who who to bet to be the first pick in the draft as far as which team is going to have the worst record. So we'll look into that, and I think that would be pretty fun. Uh, we have a great comment here from our guy, Joe Calabrese. He says, the Jets may finish last in the NFL. Michael, you want to take that one first, and then we'll have the Jets fan Brian respond to that. Look, I just got to say – for how questionable this offensive line is, I have to tip my hat to Joe Douglas for at least attempting to fix it in one offseason. You get Mekhi Becton. You have, you know, George Fan at right tackle. Yes, you can have your questions about this team, but I'm a big Darnold guy. I've, I've expressed it on past shows. I think one of the biggest things that has been hard to watch is watching Darnold get put in such a bad situation. There's some issues with this team. I get it. But I don't think they're as bad as some of the other squads out there. Washington football team, Jacksonville Jaguars. I think the Jets, I think they're going to be able to manage themselves. And, you know, I'm not as confident in them having a great season, but I think they'll be all right. I think we'll see them in around that six to seven win range, and that's going to get them in the you know top ten probably, but not, not number one. Brian, what do you think? And also, if the Jets finish last, is it Trevor Lawrence time? Is he taking over for Sam Darnold? That's absolute blasphemy. Me and Michael are going to get along great because I am a Sam Darnold stan as well. Uh, you know, I, I seeing Sam Darnold put behind, you know, the 30th best offensive line in the league and just zero creativity from his coach is uh, a little bit disheartening. I will say to Joe, um, exactly to echo what Michael said, luckily there is uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars do exist the Cincinnati Bengals, although Joe Burrow seems like he might be great, do exist. Um, 
Yeah, look, the Jets, man, I, I think Sam Darnold's going to be fine, but uh, I don't blame Joe for his pessimism. That's my life. <laughs> so I just wanted to let my listeners know here that Joe and I are actually going to be doing an NFL pregame show here on the Landry Football Network. Catch us 11 a.m. Eastern on Twitch. Of course, we'll probably have Brian on at some point, and we'll definitely have Michael on as well. Uh, we're all family here with Landry football and of course i mean this is a good time for me to remind you again that for a look at the game of football from a coaching scouting administrative perspective go to landryfootball.com today from high school college to the nfl from recruiting to the nfl draft to free agency from pregame to postgame field analysis to all the inside scoop on players teams coaches schemes landryfootball.com is your source for all things football thank you for joining and please help us spread the word as you can catch us on the landry chris landry that is Twitch channel at www.twitch.tv slash Chris Landry football. And you can listen to this podcast on your mobile device by signing up for Landry football's conference call, wherever you get podcasts, Brian, it's been a pleasure. Let everybody know where they can find you, find your company and you know what they can do if they want to make some bets this weekend. Sure. Well, you can visit bonusseeker.com if you want to see what every sports book has to offer before signing up for one. And if you want to find me, I'm on Twitter. Uh, my name at the bottom of the screen there. You just find me at the at the handle. And uh, guys, I look forward to being with you every week, getting the college football season back underway and, you know, hopefully giving some people good betting advice. Brian, what is your college football team? Do you have one? Uh, it's that team that has the uh, great TV schedule that can only get on ESPN or NBC. What's your name? What's your name? <laughs> All right. I mean, who doesn't like Notre Dame? I guess well, I guess USC fans. That's about it. <laughs> hopefully they aren't forced to play any big games in Miami because it's not going to go well. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big Rutgers fan. So the Greg Shanna era is going to have to wait until 2021 as there's no football this year. <laughs> Take two. All right, Brian. It's been great. Thank you so much. All right, guys. We'll be with you next time. Thanks. There you have it. Brian from Bonus Seekers. And it's been a, it was a pleasure having him on, Brian Sousa and uh, Michael. I'm looking forward to to the segment each week with Brian. Yeah, I mean, obviously a great opportunity to both preview college football, maybe games and specific players that we may not touch on in our segments here. But it's going to be a great opportunity, a great segment, and a staple of this show going forward on Fridays. Yeah, great to preview things and. You know, we want to look at outside of the main conferences. We're still going to look at the big conferences. And, you know, some conferences aren't playing, but we still want to look at their players, right, Michael? So why don't we take a look at some Pac-12 players who won't be playing this year, but, of course, all scouts and GMs are still going to have their eye on. Yeah, and looking at the Pac-12 this season, it's really – you see a lot of Oregon in here. You got four spots exactly. But let's start out with quarterback – UCLA, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, this is one of those guys that I think if the season were happening, we would have gotten to really assess how much this guy has grown as a player. Coming in from high school, one of the most touted prospects in terms of college football prospects that we've seen in a while. Great dual threat ability. Chip Kelly going to uh, UCLA, everyone was thinking, oh, this guy's going to be special now. Watching UCLA games, you see the arm talent, you see the capability with his legs, but there's questions as to his decision-making. He has a lot of tendency where he'll fall into this playground-style football, run around you know, for about seven seconds in the backfield, then just chuck it deep and he'll throw an interception or you know, maybe get away with an incompletion. But there's still way too many issues in terms of doing that repetitively. 
And the talent's there. He has a very impressive arm. As I said before, he can make plays with his legs. He can run around the pocket, create timing for himself to get to throw downfield. If he can play a little bit more disciplined, a little bit less playground-style football, Dorian Thompson-Robinson could be a huge sleeper for this quarterback class. The issue is, and why I didn't include him last week, is we aren't seeing the Pac-12 this season. So guys like Dorian Thompson-Robinson don't really get to prove themselves. And it's going to be questionable for scouts fully on, you know, is this spring season going to show us enough to really make us change our mind on guys that didn't prove it the year before? So Pac-12 planning to play in the spring. We'll see if it goes through, if they actually do it. But guys like DTR could really benefit from a great season because there's so much left to see. Michael, what do you think about Chip Kelly? I mean, obviously we saw that he was amazing with Oregon. Uh, He really revolutionized the way college football was played for a while, had some success with the Eagles, um, terrible with the 49ers. Now he's back in the college game. And you've seen it. I mean, Marcus Mariota under Chip Kelly became, you know, the the number two pick in the draft. Uh, He was pretty successful. I think he's going to end up playing with the Raiders. Uh, I think Carr might get hurt or lose his job. So, you know, for a guy like Dorian Thompson Robinson or just future QBs in general, do you think Chip Kelly has that appeal of somebody you want to play for? I think there's still some appeal there because Chip Kelly is Chip Kelly and he's a legend in college football forever. I think the issue is so many people took what Chip Kelly brought to college football and expanded on it, whereas Chip Kelly has kind of stayed to his same ideas and not really grown as a head coach. And yes, forever in college football history, Chip Kelly will have what he did at Oregon, and he may have already built enough of a case Hall of Fame coach. However, I think there are still issues with his current coaching at UCLA and he needs to grow this offense kind of like how we saw LSU last season. They said, look, we like what we're doing, but it's obviously not working. We need to bring in new guys, innovative guys, really ignite this offense and open it up to where we can really take advantage of the talent we have here. And they had an incredible season and LSU went on to win the championship. Will UCLA win the championship if they bring in some innovative mind? Maybe not. But I think this offense will grow incredibly. We'll see some great plays out of DTR and future quarterbacks of UCLA. And we could see this offense really expand to really save Chip Kelly's legacy. Certainly something to keep an eye on. And now we'll move on to his former team. In fact, there's four guys here on his former team, the Ducks. Yeah, the Ducks, the the Oregon Ducks, quick, quick tangent here. Like, I can't believe they didn't win a national championship. Uh, I mean, if it, it's just terrible. It's crazy to think. I think in the, the college football playoff era, they would have had better odds because obviously they don't have to worry about the BCS nonsense. But, man, they, they were so good. And they got to the title game, and they, they lost. But crazy to think about, you know, a mini dynasty like that, and they never won, they never won the big game. Yeah, there were definitely times where it felt like they would. Even whenever they went against Cam Newton and Auburn, there was still a very close game despite the fact that Cam Newton was head and shoulders better than everyone else in college football, they had some very good teams. And it's sad to think that they never really took advantage of it enough to win a championship. But 
a lot of Oregon fans are very appreciative of that era. Now they have a extremely talented team back again, whether it was last year with Herbert or now just back with some new players. Mario Cristobal has really taken this program and brought them back up to similar prestige levels. We talk about C.J. Ferdell. He's probably the best, one of the best running backs in college football. Absolutely impressive frame. I love him as a prospect because he's about 5'8", over 200 pounds. One of the best runners that I've seen in college football. Really going to be the focal point of Oregon's offense whenever this season happens, assuming he plays. When you look at running backs, yes, there's you know the the debate that maybe they aren't worth any early assets, early investments because there's so much talent in the pool. But a guy like Verdell is talented enough to where he's worth a second round pick, third round pick, even despite the fact that we're seeing first round talents at running back go in the second round, third round. Now, moving on to wide receiver, I think a lot of people would expect me to put Amon St. Raw at or Amon Raw St. Brown, sorry, at wide receiver. I'm a huge Vaughn's fan. I think he's completely underrated as a receiver. Has completely has been a dependable target for USC for years. And now in one last season, he's going to have his final sign off. USC has Kadon Slavis throwing the ball. I think Tyler Vaughn's is often overlooked because he is, you know, just one of those dependable guys that doesn't really shock you as a star, but these are the guys that really succeed in the NFL whenever they're always consistently producing for you. And Vaughn's is one of those guys. Does he remind you of Steve Smith, who was with the Giants and, you know, was just racking up 100-yard catches at all? I think there's a lot of similarities between them. And I think another one that I heard that I liked was Marvin Jones. And I think both of those guys kind of, you know, you, you kind of overlook them because they weren't maybe their star player on the team. They weren't the star receiver main target. But having a valuable number two receiver goes a long way for the NFL offenses, especially now when the passing game is continuing to grow. Guys like Vaughn's will definitely get overlooked in terms of appeal, but I think Vaughn's is going to have a very talented, very successful NFL career carved out for him once he gets there. So right now – you know, because I'm thinking Vaughn's might not even play if there's a spring season. He might say, I'm just going to go to the draft. Where do you have him on your on your board? Do you think he's a second-round pick? Is he, is he a late first-rounder? If I were a GM, I'd be drafting this guy second, third round, depending on how the board fell. Most likely, though, I think he goes fourth, fifth, maybe sixth round. Right. And- so then in that case, then he might say, you know what, I better play because I might be able to move my draft stock up. And every round is extra money, so – it's interesting to keep an eye on and you know maybe as we you go through this list some other guys who might opt out we can point that out because it's going to be interesting to see you know they're going to take the gamble on themselves where they could risk injury they could risk potentially losing draft stock uh, or but then the, the risk is that that's the risk the reward is hey i can move up in a round or two and also there's only going to be one other or two other conferences playing in the country there's going to be a lot of eyes on me and i might leave a lasting impression a month or two before the draft Yeah, exactly. And we'll see what happens there. I think it's going to be intriguing to watch some of these bigger names, whether it's uh, big in terms of their college football legacy or just overall draft stock. It's going to be interesting to see how they go about playing a spring season. At tight end, I have Cade Otten. And I think 
it's important to know Washington is creating a little bit of a tight end university there. Some very successful guys have been getting NFL opportunities year after year. Kate Otten, no different. I believe he is in for an NFL opportunity as well. 32 catches last season in his sophomore year. So he's very young. He's going to be a junior this season, could potentially return to school, has a nice frame, a 6'5", 240 pounds. I think this guy has, you know, a well-rounded ability and is going to be a focal point of the Washington offense. Hunter Bryant got a lot of the focus at tight end last year, but Kate Otten, I think, was a better tight end than him even. So, you know, now that he's getting his chance to be the main guy, I think we're really going to see Kate Otten take off, and Washington is going to have a star at the tight end position. And soon, whether it's this year or next, the NFL draft is going to be focusing in on what Otten brings to the table. For the offensive line, I have Penny Sewell. So he is the top tackle in this class, probably the number two overall player, maybe number three. Really, I think it's Lawrence, Penny, Parsons. Those three. And the and everyone else is a step below. You look at how important it is to bring in a great offensive line for any team, whether you have a veteran quarterback or a young QB or you want to establish a run game. I think that having Penny there at left tackle, you know, blindside, which doesn't exist as much anymore with today's NFL, but it's still a key piece of the offensive line. And Penny brings that incredible athleticism, some refinement that still needs to be had, but he's absolutely a generational offensive tackle. One of the best I've seen. And I look forward to seeing him grow week after week if we get to see him play or week after week in the NFL. On the defensive line, I have Jay Tufele, and he is someone that I think, you know, really steps in at a nose tackle position pretty early in his career in the NFL. And he'll be one of those cement blocks that doesn't allow anyone through his, his assignment, his gap. You look at how important some of these nose tackles are in the NFL as run stoppers. And I think Tufele does that just as well as many of the best in the NFL. He's not going to provide you the, the pass rush upside that you may want. And I think obviously teams have really started to embrace the idea of filling their defensive line with pass rushers. But when you look at teams like the Patriots, like the Lions, Everyone from that branch, they want to have guys that can stop the run, and Tufele does that very well. On the edge, I have Joe Tryon, and I think this is someone that is a little bit underrated right now, but if there were a Pac-12 season, he would have been able to drive his stock up. A nice, uh, stout edge rusher for Washington. Had some very impressive plays. I watched him when trying to watch Anthony Gordon, and he just kept popping off the screen, having some great games for me. And now I'm all in on him. There's definitely some things to work on. Obviously improvements both as a finesse pass rusher and as a run stopper. But I think he's overall very talented. And I look forward to seeing him, whether it's in the spring or whether it's in the NFL. I think he's going to have some nice plays and some nice seasons. At linebacker, this is one of the guys that I am most excited to talk about. Devin Lloyd. You know, I think Utah and the overall defense gets a lot of credit for how talented it was last season and how many guys entered this draft with so much stock 
you look at guys like Terrell Burgess, Jalen Johnson, Julian Blackman, Lecky Fotu, Bradley and I, and now I think Devin Lloyd kind of gets overshadowed because we're focused on all these prospects for the team. But this guy is going to be a will linebacker in the NFL, and he is going to have a lot of success in the NFL. I know that right now we don't know a lot about these Pac-12 players, and we don't know what we're going to get to see out of them. So someone like Devin Lloyd is probably one of the harder situations because I think if he got to play this season right now, we would see this stock soar. But he now, instead of being able to attend things like the combine, attend things like, you know, draft workouts with teams and private stuff like that, he now has to go and play in the spring and really establish his name as a star for Utah alone. And I think he's going to do it. I think he's going to have a great season in the spring if they play. And I think he's going to, you know, create a high draft stock for himself, probably round two, round three. Honestly, I'm that high on him. I think he's a key piece of the defense. But so, I mean, we're, we're looking at him like obviously he's, he could be a big star. But you know, we're thinking in general here like juniors, right? Do you right. think there's going to be a lot of juniors in the Pac-12 and Big Ten that are saying, you know what? Not only should I play this year, but I better come back for my senior year. Or as actually pointed out, if they're playing in the spring, they remain eligible again in the fall as the same class. So. Is there, you think there's going to be some people who say, I'm going to forego the draft this year. Uh, I mean, obviously, I'm good enough being the pro. I want to be in the pros. But I can maybe go from a fifth-round pick up to a second-round pick or, you know, the Joe Burrow scenario, a, a seventh-round pick to the first pick. You think there's going to be uh, a good bunch of, of juniors who decide to opt in for another season? Yeah, I think we will see a lot of that. And I think the NFL and college football are going to have to adapt to these wild times, I think you got to allow these guys to declare and then come back if they either want to pull out and realize that they didn't like their stock enough or want to pull out and didn't get drafted so they want to return to college football. I think it's important that we acknowledge that this is a circumstance that most people shouldn't even have to be put through. So allowing some, you know, a little bit of forgiveness for any mistake they may make in the draft process in terms of, you know, oh, you declared you can't come back. We got to allow them to come back, allow them to have what's best for them, take care of these athletes first and foremost. And that's what we can do by allowing these people to really test the waters first and then make a decision. Yeah. And, you know, while we're talking about Utah, of course, Urban Meyer put Utah on the map, him and Alex Smith. What are you thinking? I think I think Aaron Meyer might be coming back next year. I think he left Ohio State to maybe cover up some sort of scandal, perhaps. And you know, you saw him leave Florida, and then you know he he resurfaces it with Ohio State. Do you think Urban Meyer has an itch to come back and might might scratch that itch? I think Urban Meyer definitely has some some temptation to return. When you're a big fan of college football and you love the game as much as guys like Urban Meyer do. I don't think that itch ever leaves. I'm not sure if he returns. I think many programs would love to have him back. I think USC is probably the focal point of those rumors. Clay Helton hasn't necessarily proven himself as a head coach, so Urban Meyer could easily step in there. It would be interesting to see him go anywhere. I think he'd succeed no matter what, but it's definitely 
you know, the question of whether he wants to. And I wish I could say yes or no on what he wants to do, but it, it's such a toss up, whether it's actual health issues or whether it's just, you know, wanting to be retired and enjoy his life now, or whether it's just to get away from some potential scandal. And now he's going to hop back in. It's definitely going to be curious to, to observe in these coming days, coming weeks, coming months, and seeing what happens with Urban Meyer. No doubt about it. And, you know, well, obviously let you finish your, your list here, of course, but you got to wonder for next year, you know, the NFL supplemental draft, you know, basically maybe there's one guy drafted each year that might have like a bigger draft pool next year, yeah. especially with this current football. I think we could see another situation similar to this year where they end up canceling the supplemental draft. And I don't want to see that because I think if you want to declare and you think, oh, well, now I probably, it's probably best for me to go, then you should. But we saw it last year. I think a lot of people would have declared in the supplemental draft and it would have been a huge head headache for the NFL and for NFL teams alike. So, you know, now we enter this season with a question mark on the supplemental draft. It's very TBD. Yeah. I mean, you had, you know, the most recent um, picks were Jalen Thompson. Cardinals picked him. He was declared ineligible after his senior his season for rule violation. So if that happens to some guy, he's, he's kind of really out of luck. And Sam Beal drafted by the Giants in 2008. He's never even played. He was declared academically ineligible, but you know, sometimes there are big names in this draft. Josh Gordon, he was great with, with Cleveland Browns. They took him in the second round. Uh, Terrell Pryor, he was not a good pro, but he was in the supplemental draft after he was suspended by Ohio State. And, you know, going back, you have Ahmad Brooks and back in the day, Bernie Kosar. So there certainly is some talent to go about uh, when the supplemental draft. There's only been 46 players ever drafted in the supplemental draft, but you know, like you're saying, I think there would have been a ton drafted this year if uh, if they had the draft. Yeah, and going forward with this Pac-12 team, I think looking at this Oregon secondary, Thomas Graham Jr. and Javon Holland, both of these guys are incredible defensive backs. Oregon is one of the best secondaries in college football. Thomas Graham, I think, is very underrated at the moment. We have a comment coming from the comment section. I'm a fan of Thomas Graham. Nice mid-round corner, and I think that's one thing that a lot of people don't realize is he's going to be a mid-round guy, but he's he's very underrated in that regard, and I think you get him in the third, fourth round probably, and he's going to be a stud for you. Some people have said you know, he's a 5'11", 190, 180-pound corner that's probably best suited for outside and may not be able to make the move inside. I think he's proven himself enough as a corner on the outside that – Yes, the size limitations are there, but he is very established and very well-suited to play the outside to where that's not going to be an issue. Holland, nice nickel defender who can play the safety spot and slot corner. Huge for this Oregon defense. Oregon in for a big year as long as the quarterback play is up to par. Now, we talk about guys like Tyler Vaughn. I think it's important to look at receivers that are kind of underappreciated. Now, I just want to say before this, I'm leaving Tyler Vaughn's off of this list because we aren't going to see him this season. So guys in the Big Ten and in the Pac-12 are left off. 
probably some very good sleepers that I would have added on to this list if not for these suspended seasons. But regardless, we keep on trucking. Looking at the sleeper wide receivers for the 2021 season, we start out at number five, Racy McMath. Look, when watching Miles Brennan, trying to get an assessment on how this guy is going to be, Racy was always the guy that he was targeting. Now, you have so many weapons that are leaving. We just saw Jamar Chase opt out. LSU needs guys in the offense that are going to be depended on. Racy McMath is going to be one of Miles Brennan's favorite targets. 6'3", 224 pounds. Absolutely incredible build. If he can prove himself as a great target, yes, he hasn't had the production. He hasn't had many seasons or opportunity. But one great season in LSU offense, and you could potentially find yourself being drafted rather early as well. For number four, I have Charleston Rambo. Another similar situation. Great offense, lack of opportunity. Charleston Rambo is now in for a huge amount of receptions. Yes, there's guys like Hasselbeck for Oklahoma that may be getting the bulk of the targets, but I think Charleston Rambo proved himself when targeted that he was a very talented receiver and a very capable one that could potentially improve his stock being the main target for Spencer Rattler and the Sooner offense. At number three, I have Elijah Moore, and you already see one of the issues with him, 5'9", 185. That's not exactly what you want out of your receivers in terms of their size. However, this guy is such a smooth route runner, very nice out of his breaks, and excellent hands. We saw him against – if you saw him at all last year, one of the most notable highlights for you is probably against Mississippi State where he got the penalty being a bulldog, peeing on the football in the Egg Bowl. Yeah, he he's he's cocky for sure, but he's an absolute stud, and he completely backs it up. One of the biggest things about football players, if you're going to be cocky, you got to be able to back it up. Elijah Moore backs it up better than anyone. He's a great slot receiver at the next level, and I'm looking forward to seeing this guy elevate his draft stock over the season. And while we're talking all Miss here, um, I'm wondering what – Eli Manning's involvement is going to be with the program moving forward now that he's got some some free time, no longer with the Giants. I could imagine, although it's different coaching staff, that he's either going to be involved, it's, you know, maybe I'll come to a, a practice or something. They'll certainly be at some Ole Miss games. Of course, he got the connection with Duke as well. So interested to see if Eli Manning ends up doing anything with college football. Of course, I think. He could probably do nothing if he wants because he's the highest paid player of all time in the NFL. Yeah, you're the uh, Giants fan. You think we ever see him put on the headset? No, uh, I don't think so. The only headset he'd be putting on would be the broadcast booth one. I got you. I think uh, he's he's very intelligent, as we know. Um, I think, you know, Monday Night Football, they should look to do a Peyton Eli booth with a broadcast, a play-by-play guy. I mean – I think people want to tune in for that. Monday Night Football? Yeah. Manning (laughs) Manning Night Football. Moving on from Ole Miss, though, we got number two, Seth Williams, 6'3", 212 pounds. From from what I had expected, I thought Seth Williams, immediately once we started watching this guy, everyone would kind of be in agreement, yeah, this is a stud. This is one of the top guys. But I've been talking to some people that also scout, and they aren't as high on him as I am. And I think – that's why I got to put him on here on this list. 
a very talented receiver that was in an offense that was very young. Bo Nix, as a true freshman, proved himself to be a talented quarterback, but he's not where he should be accuracy-wise. He missed a lot of throws. As he grows, this offense will grow, and Seth Williams' production will continue to improve. Seth Williams already produced at an extremely high level. He's great at contested catches. He has some athleticism to make plays happen to where you're not just depending on his size. Seth Williams is going to be a great NFL player, and I think he's going to have a great college football season that will elevate his stock to around day two. Now, my number one guy is someone that I just absolutely love, and that's Daz Newsome. He doesn't offer the appeal in terms of athleticism, size, stuff like that, that's going to allow him to get up to a number one draft pick or something like that in the first round. But you watch this guy, and you just automatically know that he's very talented. And, you know, you can put up all these numbers in the 40. You can put up all these numbers as a receiver. You can go up and jump so high to catch these touchdowns, and you can make all these highlight and one-handed catches. But when you look at consistency and excellent ability in routes, excellent ability to create plays, you have guys like Daz Newsom who aren't going to get appreciated as a prospect, and then they get to the NFL, and there's just this star slot receiver that is unstoppable, and everyone's like, oh, how do we miss this guy? Even when you're looking at guys that you know were second-round picks like Debo Samuel, it's just so obvious, and people miss out on him. So uh, you know, he and consistency is a good word for him. You know, when he got to UNC, he's actually a defensive back, and then you know they converted him to wide receiver, and he had he played nine games of wide receiver, eighteen receptions, two hundred twenty-seven yards. The next year, talking about consistency, he ends up doubling his yards, so he had five hundred and six yards. And then last year, he doubled that again, and he ended up leading the team with seventy-two receptions, one thousand. And 18 yards and 10 touchdowns. So, I mean, you could see that the guy is growing each season. Yeah, I think he's a key piece of the UNC offense and bringing in Sam Howell at quarterback elevated his game, allowed him to really burst onto the scene. He's going to put up another big season unless he, you know, for some reason, God forbid, he gets hurt. I think Daz Newsom is going to continue to dominate the college football level and really establish himself as a star player. One of the most slept-on players for me, and I think he's going to be a great wide receiver at the NFL level. I hope there's a team smart enough out there talking to you Patriots that will bring him in, realize his potential, and let him be a star for the squad. Whether or not that works out, though, in terms of draft value, I'm, I'm a little questionable of. But his NFL success... I'm very confident in, and I think he's going to be a star at the next level. There you have so, it. For the sleeper wide receivers, just a quick recap. We got Racy McMath out of LSU, Charleston Rambo out of Oklahoma, Elijah Moore out of Ole Miss, Seth Williams out of Auburn, and Daz Newsom out of North Carolina. Some very talented wide receivers. Some a little bit more sleepers in terms of we haven't gotten to see them produce, and some very productive but we haven't gotten that same draft stock talk out of them. So we'll see where these guys end up at the end of the season. I'm excited for all of them. And I think if you're a draft Nick like myself, you need to make sure you check them out because they are in for a big year.
No doubt about it. Keep an eye on these guys. Michael has a habit of being able to pick up this talent early on. So let's take a look at some of these questions we got here. Here's our, our guy, Glad Klesner. You're looking back at your, your Pac-12 list. He's a big fan of Thomas Graham. So he's a nice mid-round corner. You want to go a little more in-depth on Thomas Graham? Yeah, I think Thomas Graham has one of the most impressive uh, cornerback games that I've scouted so far. This cornerback class as a whole is a little bit – you know, under right now at the moment. And I think for a lot of people, they want to see some of these guys really step up to the plate and become these top corners. Thomas Graham could potentially have another big season. And we say, okay, yes, he doesn't have the same, you know, physical traits that you may want out of your top corners. But if he's consistently been one of the best corners in college football, why are we going to pass on him whenever we know the talent's there? And, I think Thomas Graham is one of the best to do it in terms of just how well he produces at the cornerback position, how well he's handled some of these big responsibilities. Even last year, uh, before this past season, we saw this guy producing at a high level as a corner, covering some of the best wide receivers in college football in the Pac-12. He continues to grow, and we get another year of watching him. I think he's in for a big season, and I think he will make a team very happy if he decides to take him. Glock Lesnar says, Eli, future coach. Again, I don't think so. The guys that are successful, especially financially in the league, never end up coaching. But there is a former player who's basically a coach now, the chief of staff with the Miami Hurricanes. That's Ed Reed. Michael, what do you think about, about that? And do you think he has any impact on recruiting? And then to jump off that, I want to say I am really liking what Herm Edwards is doing with Arizona State uh, because – I think they're just going to – a lot of people respect Tom Edwards. They've seen him for years on ESPN. Antonio Pierce over there, they've seen him on ESPN. He's the linebacker's coach. I do like what Herm Edwards is building with, with Arizona State. But I guess first your thoughts on Ed Reed dipping his toes into coaching because this guy is – he did say, oh, I want to be – I should be the coach of the Hurricanes, but now he's just on the staff. Yeah, I think, you know, when you bring in guys that have legacy that these kids grew up watching, whether it was – his hurricane days, which now these kids in college football probably, you know, ha- don't even remember Ed Reed as a hurricane. But you, you think of his Ravens days, and I think a lot of these players are probably watching Ed Reed, realizing just how much of a star he was. And the opportunity to play for a guy like that is very appealing to some of these guys. And you think about wanting to transition your game as a recruit from high school to being a star at the college level to being a star in the NFL – And, you know, there's no better appeal than guys who have done that. And that's why surrounding your program with pro talent is often one of the key pieces to success. And, you know, you look at even Deion Sanders, who didn't have any head coaching experience, was considered for the Florida State job. And I think it's just the fact that you appeal to prospects when you have guys that are going through similar situations in terms of trying to get to the NFL, succeeding in the NFL, and that's what happens when you bring in these star players that can, you know, really grow your game and really grow who you are as a player. And yes, I think Miami's going to benefit a very large amount from having Ed Reed on this team. And whether he takes over as head coach if Diaz were to potentially get fired or move on to somewhere else, I don't know. But I would definitely love to see it just because I'm a big Ed Reed fan, even though he broke my heart several times as a Patriots fan. Ah, uh, Patriots got the last laugh most of the time. 
Uh, let's see here. We got one. We got one. Actually, I do want to say I mentioned before that there were wide receivers that I left off because we didn't get to see him this season. I mentioned Tyler Vaughn's. Another guy on that list is Amir Smith Marset out of Iowa. I think he's an incredible talent. And from watching his film, I just immediately you kind of see who the NFL players are like on certain plays. And you're like, okay, this guy moves like an NFL star, not just some college football player. And he completely did that as well. One of the very talented receivers, Iowa, not really known for producing wide receivers. They're known for producing tight ends, but Amir Smith, Marset, he's going to be a star wide receiver in the NFL and Iowa would have been very fun. Yeah, there you have it. Of course, plenty of guys you never heard of, but Michael has. So, you know, make sure you're you're tweeting us. Michael is at Mr. Underscore NFL Draft. I'm at Nick Underscore Durst. Let us know what you want us to talk about. Someone wants Michael to, to give us his, his his top players at each position in the Ivy League. Well, he's gonna do it. He's gonna give that to you. Maybe not immediately, but we're gonna give we're gonna give the the, the fans of what they want. Uh, and you know, me and Michael, we both we both really like really like when you're giving us topics we love the comments coming in throughout thanks to joe and clock lesnar for for tuning in of course and contributing each week and michael I'll let you uh, have the last words here as we go into like the full first kind of slate of college football because clock lesnar wants to know will you guys be college football this week and i guess he means watching so i'm sure michael you'll be watching but we'll let you go with the last words on this weekend's games yeah i think it's important that you realize Yes, it's not the big programs that are going to be playing this weekend, but there's still a lot of talent out there. Take in this weekend. Enjoy having football back. Enjoy having sports back. We'll see you on Monday, but these are some very talented teams that are coming out on the field this weekend. Whether you're watching SMU probably whoop up a bit on Texas State or whether you're watching some of the other games like Memphis versus Arkansas State, Navy versus BYU, Take in how much talent there is on these teams. Enjoy having college football back. You know, even if it's just on in the background, just take advantage of it because we are in for a very fun season. And any we word, really don't know what's going to happen with everything. Any word on college game day? Is that going to be from the studios in Connecticut? Or are they going to be doing that remotely over Skype or something? I haven't heard actually, but I, I have a feeling I they would probably I can't imagine do it in they're Canada. gonna go to campuses because people are still gonna come out and there'll be crowds, which isn't safe. But they could do it from like the fifty yard line. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see. Hopefully, however they do it, it's safe. But I, I definitely want to see college football. I was always sleeping in on Sundays, but getting to watch, you know, those last ten minutes before the game started, it's a great time and college football game day is a staple of the college football experience. So I look forward to it and I hope we get to see it. That's all the time we got left on the show. I'm Michael Rockman joined by Nick Durst. This is destination draft day. Nick, tell them where they can find us. You could find us. Of course, you'll, you'll find the show right here on twitch.tv slash Christian football. And you can listen to this podcast on your mobile device by signing up for Landry's football conference call, wherever you can podcast. Of course, we're on Twitter as well. Mr. Underscore NFL Draft at underscore Nick at, at Nick underscore Durst. And of course, check out LandryFootball.com for a look at the game of football from every single perspective. Take care, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Nick, always a pleasure. 
See you guys next Monday.